Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, looking for clarification on vaccination plans across the country. There's going to be a number of things to put in there with advice and direction. So again, we're going to ask people to uh, remain tuned to uh, messages we're going to give out as we understand it better and we have the evidence to support any directions and uh, policies that you've asked about. A committee studying allegations of sexual misconduct against the former chief of the defense staff will expand its scope. To get at what we need to right now, we need to uh, further investigate this. I think that the work of the defense committee is key. Uh, I think that the minister has to come before that defense committee. And how much confidence do conservative MPs have in Aaron O'Toole? With the possibility of a snap election any time, you really don't want to have to be, you know, fighting this internal party fight about people challenging and questioning and openly uh, challenging and whispering to reporters that uh, there are concerns about how good of a job you're doing. It's Tuesday, March the 9th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Peter, thank you for being with us. Hi, Mark. Always a pleasure. So we're approaching the first anniversary of the pandemic having been declared by the World Health Organization. And also, as the middle of March arrives, uh, you know, a critical time in, in a point that a lot of people have been looking forward to for weeks about the arrival of vaccines in this country, the administration of those vaccines. And I feel like we're still uh, searching for some clear answers on exactly what's going to happen and what the implications of all of this will be, even as the hour approaches. Yeah, I think people are being bombarded with so much, you know, uh, competing information, sometimes contradictory information from uh, various different quarters. I mean, you're you're seeing, you know, the province of Ontario uh, reopening and you're seeing the number of infections increase and still, you know, lots of concern about those variants of concern and what they might do. At the same time, you're seeing, you know, more than 900,000 doses of vaccine arrive in Canada this week as everybody wraps up production. And, you know, I think, you know, you're and, and then you're seeing some provinces administer, you know, planning to administer AstraZeneca and administering AstraZeneca to people over 65. Other provinces saying, yeah, we're not going to do that. So there's still lots of confusion out there. But, I, you know, we're coming close to a point in this part of our shared history where you, you know, Canadians will be looking for a, 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 a consensus kind of message on you know, what it means to reopen and how we do that and what it means for every individual vaccinated or not, because we're getting close to that point, I think, where uh, those are the conversations we need to have. We've had this shared approach in the year of the pandemic about how to stay safe. Now there needs to be a conversation about how to reopen, because it's not just say, okay, everything's open. People will still have lots of questions about who's been vaccinated, who's not been vaccinated, who can travel, who shouldn't, what getting a vaccine permits you to do and what it doesn't permit you to do. And I think we're getting pretty close to the time when that conversation needs to take place as more and more people get uh you know get vaccinated notwithstanding you know doses first dose being applied second dose being delayed so you know that perhaps throws a bit of a curve into the process but it's going to be all about messaging again pretty soon and yeah uh what what happens next that's the big question yeah very much so all right let's turn to uh the subject of a lot of questions on parliament hill 
the, uh, you know, who knew what and when they knew it about allegations against the then chief of the defense staff, General Jonathan Vance. Uh, testimony last week, of course, by the former military ombudsman appeared to contradict that of the defense minister. Um, so what's the latest on that? Well, the latest is the National Defense Committee of Parliamentarians, the House of Commons, has uh, has voted to expand its investigation and its questioning. Harjit Sajjan, the defense minister, will be coming back before the committee, as will a number of senior uh, members of the Liberal government uh, in the Privy Council, in the Prime Minister's office, in the Minister's office, being called to uh, testify before the committee and face questions about what they knew, when they knew it, and what they did about it. And the line, you know, the government is... Uh, is now, uh, you know, uh, sort of, I think, clarifying its position that, look, we took the allegations seriously, but they were, um, you know, uh, know, very sort of sketchy when brought to us. The the complainant uh, against uh, filing the allegations or, or bringing those allegations to the military ombudsman did not uh, want to at that point be identified. So it was a very kind of... uh, you know, and a not really defined complaint brought to Sajjan, and uh, he, he, according to Gary Walburn, he says he, he didn't want to know more about the complaint. He backed off, but the minister says he doesn't agree with all of the military ombudsman testimony and wants the chance to refute some of it when he gets back to the committee. Uh, having said all that, uh, the government now is making clear its position was we tried to seek more information from the military ombudsman. It wasn't forthcoming. What were we supposed to do? And it stops there. And the opposition party is saying, well, there's more you should have done. You should have found a way to probe this. You should have found a way to make sure that the wheel started turning then. Uh, even if the complainant at that point did not want to be identified, there should have been other avenues to, uh, to take on to try and get answers to what exactly was happening here in these allegations involving uh, General Vance. So they've agreed to bring these uh, witnesses forward. Uh, They have also uh, passed a motion to, uh, you know, uh, for the production of all kinds of documents back and forth uh, from the people in a position to know about this. Anybody who was in the loop, basically, they're asking for documents to be produced uh, for this committee. So we're a long way from uh, ending uh, the uh, parliamentary investigation to what's happened here. And at the same time, um, as you know, military police, the military investigation service is also uh, conducting its own investigation into General Vance and into uh, allegations of the sexual uh, misconduct against the uh, the new chief of the defense staff, uh, Commander McDonald. Yeah. All right. We'll see where that goes. Uh, Let's turn to the Conservative leader, Aaron O'Toole, now. And for several days, there have been a series of stories talking about uh, fractions uh, within the caucus, um, some pushback against the direction that he's taking the party, leading into the possibility of a spring election. Uh, What's your sense of what's going on here? And is, is Aaron O'Toole in trouble with his caucus? Well, it's certainly a big challenge because I think it's not unusual. Uh, we used to see this from, well, you see it from all parties at some point in, in a leader's existence. Uh, you typically don't if you're the leader of the party and you're the new leader of the party, still trying to get known by Canadians with the possibility of a snap election any time. You really don't want to have to be, you know, fighting this internal party fight about people challenging and questioning and openly uh, challenging and whispering to reporters that uh, there are concerns about how good of a job you're doing. Uh, if you have to go into an election campaign with, and you know, and, and 
you know, at least part of the message that voters are getting is you can't get your own act together within your own party. I think there's some challenges. Certainly, it's the timing is not great. Uh, a lot will will be, you know, we'll see a lot with the party's virtual convention starting on March 18th for three days, and lots of people watching to see whether the party machinery is up for grabs because a lot of the social conservatives in the party unhappy with Aaron O'Toole, who they believe had promised to represent their voices, now believe he's moved too far to the centre. Uh, there's lots of talk that they've been able to stack a lot of these delegate selection meetings for this virtual convention, and that they're going to try to change some of the rules of the party, perhaps uh, have a big influence on party policy, but it, it could be a very disruptive debate. And, you know, all debates in political parties are healthy, but when you're the leader trying to, you say, move the party to the centre, but a lot of the debate at your convention is about how not to move the party to the centre to stand up for true blue conservative uh, policies and standards, uh, you, you, you probably have a fight on your hands um, dealing with your own party as much as you're trying to sell uh, a new vision to the Canadian electorate. Yeah. All right. As we wrap up, Peter, uh, let's touch briefly on uh, what's happened with uh, We Charity and uh, Mark and Craig Kielberger. In the last 24 hours, there had been a push to have them testify. Uh, the Commons Ethics Committee uh, has unanimously voted to demand that they uh, testify, and they've apparently agreed to do so. Um, so it's kind of an interesting development because the, the WE scandal had kind of gone away for a while, um, uh, and now it's back. And uh, it it's interesting to see that there's unanimous, meaning liberal MPs on the committee, also voted in favor of this step. Yeah, compelling them to come back, prepared to summon it, to issue a summons to get the, the, the uh, Mark and Craig Kielberger to come back to a parliamentary committee, which they'd been refusing to do. They ignored the invitation or, or responded to the invitation saying, look, it's, this is a partisan process. We're not interested. And it's interesting, Mark, when you say that, you know, the, the, the We Charity issue had kind of died down a little bit. Uh, you know, the connection to We Charity and the, and the government and, you know, the, 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 the pandemic youth program that we was approached to, uh, to to help operate and run. Uh, that conversation sort of died down, but the stories about We Charity and the Kielbergers haven't. They keep popping up. So there's, uh, you know, there are lots of questions that, that it's now it's now morphed from concerns about, you know, the using the We Charity uh, to run a, a youth employment program during the pandemic to, you know, lots of questions now about how this charity has operated in its broader uh, fundraising efforts and its broader operations. So, you know, push comes to shove. Uh, here they were saying no, and the the committee passes uh, a motion to order them uh, with a summons to show up at committee or else uh, face the potential of being found in contempt by Parliament, which, uh, you know, sure, it's, you know, way down there in the likelihood of possibilities for them, but comes along with a finding of contempt, uh, com- contempt and, a, and a possible jail term. Uh, so faced with that, I mean, how much, you know, the, the, you're weighing the consequences of thumbing your nose at Parliament, say we're not coming back, and, and more bad press on that. And, I mean, the story's not going to go away by refusing to come to committee. In fact, it probably only gets amplified as members of Parliament who want this to happen, uh, make it more and more uh, part of the of their conversation and the conversation in the media. And so how do the Kilbergers win that fight? Mm. All right. Plenty to watch this week. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. All right, Mark. Good to talk to you again. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. 
it is possible that we have uh, uh, further uh, good news and good predictions to share in the coming weeks. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Michael Levitt calls on governments to work together to lead us out of the COVID-19 darkness. Levitt writes, It has been a year, but it feels like 10. Over the past year, COVID-19 has had a profound impact on our daily lives, and we shouldn't underestimate the lingering impact it will have for all of us in the years ahead, especially for our youth. As we grapple with the one-year mark of this virus, I have a message for our government leaders at all levels. Please work together and lead us out of this now. In the Toronto Sun, Lori Goldstein considers the wait for the federal budget. Goldstein writes, The Trudeau government has delayed its budget longer than any other Canadian government in history. They insist they need more time because of the pandemic. But every other member of the G7 nations delivered a budget last year, and so did all Canadian provinces and territories. The last Liberal budget was 720 days ago and counting. With the Globe and Mail reporting Monday, it will be delayed until at least next month, meaning we will have gone more than two years since the last one. At Policy Options, Lisa Glue argues in favour of building a green budget for 2021 and beyond. Glue writes, In the midst of the worst public health emergency in recent memory, we can expect the public health response and vaccine rollout to be front and centre in this spring's federal budget, but the budget must also invest decisively in solving the other planetary emergency, the global ecological crisis. The pandemic has reminded us of the importance of heeding the science and the power of collective action. Let's apply these lessons to the recovery agenda and seize this moment to truly rebuild better. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister and Intergovernmental Affairs Minister Dominic LeBlanc will take part in a news conference to provide an update on the COVID-19 situation. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will hold a news conference to discuss the Conservative Opposition Day motion. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will hold a news conference in Ottawa. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will hold a news conference to talk about his plan to help Canadians and small businesses through the pandemic. Natural Resources Minister Seamus O'Regan will attend the Prospectors and Developers Association of Canada virtual conference. And Small Business Minister Mary Ng will speak at a convention hosted by the Prospectors and Developers Association of Canada. She will also take part in Canada's Feminist Response and Recovery Summit. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, March the 9th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.